Love you guys. How are you doing? You're beautiful. I've missed you guys. It's so good to be home. Um, I, this is awesome. This is awesome to see. But I'm kind of a little bit um, just wondering, like, my Durant, like, you guys became so cool as soon as I left. Was it like, we got to get the uncool kids out of here because then we can be awesome. So I won't take any personal offense to that. But um, I'm excited. Man, God is good. Amen. He is alive and he is moving on the earth today. And I, I believe I have something that he wants to talk to you guys about tonight. He wants to talk to me. He's been talking to me about this over the last few months, and um, I'm just honored to share. So, so I want to pray for us tonight. Father, we're so thankful for you, God. Jesus, we're thankful that you are alive and that you are here and that you are speaking to us. I just pray for each and every person in this room, Father, that you have a word for them tonight. You have a message that you want to speak directly to them. And I pray, Father, that our hearts are open, God. I pray that we as your people would be lay down lovers. We would be radically obedient to what you're calling us to do. And I pray, Father, that tonight every single person in this room would know that you are speaking directly to them, God. That you are so in love with us, Jesus. Not that we loved you, but that you loved us and you gave yourself for us. Lord, and because of that tonight, we open our hearts to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I do have to warn you, if you've never um, met me before, I talk kind of fast. I've really worked on slowing it down, but I just learned I don't know if it's actually ever going to happen. So just know that, okay? Um, I, you know, my, my sister talks fast, but she's like can control it because she's got all this stuff in life. I just talk fast and I can't control it, okay? So just stick with me. If, if you guys are giving me like a thumbs down, I'll know that's like slow down, Sierra. If it's like a thumbs up, I'll just pick it up a little bit, okay? That is a joke. That's something else you need to know. I like to have fun, um, and I'm okay if you don't laugh at my jokes. I've learned that it's okay as long as you can laugh at yourself. That's all that matters in life, okay? So I keep myself very entertained all day long. It's awesome. I, lo- I love living with me, okay? Uh, but I don't know if you guys know this. We are in a new year. It is 2019, right? This year I was talking, I had lunch with my dad today, and we were just talking about how crazy is it that we live in a time in life where people can, like, talk to their watches. Like, I remember Kim Possible growing up, and I remember that was like a, like, a, anybody, Kim Possible, come on, yeah, I got to shout out Kim Possible. I remember that was like the secret, like, that will never happen, people will never talk, or like the internet, you can Google everything. Like it is incredible. I'm like Google, like my best friend follows me everywhere, right? So like how crazy that we kind of live in the future. It's awesome. How many of you guys are loving the future right now, right? Three people. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm loving 2019, and, and obviously it's, it's a new year, so it's this time of year where we're setting goals and we're setting resolutions, or maybe you're that like, nah, like I'm, I don't do that goal stuff. Like that's for the goal setters. I'm one of the like chill, just let, I'm just living, man. I'm just living, right? Like maybe that's you. That's cool too. If that's, if you're just living, you do you, boo-boo, okay? That's my, that's my motto. But, but maybe, maybe you're that like, yeah, like I got, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the list setter, right? Like I got it marked out. I just, this is really funny. Just so you know a little bit about me. 
I actually planned a trip for my roommates in, in November just so we could go write our goals for the beginning of the year. And they were like, Sierra, you're crazy. I'm like, let's do it. It's going to be awesome. So, so I've had my list, my goals. Like, these are things I want to see. This is who I want to become over the next year. This is, you know, things that I want to mark off or places I want to go to or whatever. And, and in the midst of all that, and in the midst of a new year, in the midst of setting new goals, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper this word to me that I believe that, that, that he wants to talk to us about tonight. And that word is surrender. That word is surrender. And that, that can be a really scary word. That can be a word that, that maybe you hear it and you think, oh, no, I'm out of here. Like, I am not surrendering my goals. And, and I'm, that, like, I'm that person. Like, my goals are important to me. But, but as we set our vision and as we get ready for this next year and as we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to what he wants to do over the course of 2019, I think surrender is what the Father is saying. And I think that if we're going to live lives in the book of Galatians, Galatians 2, 20, Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved himself, who loved me and gave himself for me. I think if we're going to live that kind of surrender, uh, it's no longer me who lives, but Jesus, you really have my everything. You really are my reason for living. That it looks like us saying, God, in the midst of me planning my ways, God, you direct my path. And I was talking to uh, a pastor the other day her and her husband, and they were just talking about how when God gives you dreams and gives you visions, that you hold them loosely, right? That, that you hold on to them. And when God tells you something, you take it and you have it in your hand, but it's also a loose grip because if he calls you to surrender, you have to be obedient. Amen? Amen. And I want to share this story with you tonight that I recently heard that, that stirred my heart to, man, there's still more in my life that I have to surrender. And you may or may not be familiar with the story, um, but it happened recently. And uh, Alex, you can go ahead and throw that picture up on the screen. Um, I want to share with you the story of a man named John Chow. Has anyone seen this picture recently? Few people. Okay, that's okay if you haven't. John Chow uh, was a 26-year-old guy. He was living um, in India. He's from the States. Actually went to school in Oklahoma. Shout out, right? That's you guys' cue. Went to school in Oklahoma. Okay. Um, John Chow, at the age of 16, heard about these people off of the coast of India uh, on the Sentinel Islands, and he heard that this was a group of people who are still uncivilized completely, have never had human interaction with outside people. So at the age of 16, John Chow began pursuing a life to say, man, God, what do you want to do in my life to make a difference in that place? What do you want to do with my one little life that might have an impact in the nations, that might be able to carry the gospel to a place where it's never been reached before? And, and so at the age of 16, John began preparing for this journey. And, and it was said that he would read over 100 books a year, which is crazy. I have like a goal of like 40 this year, and I've been like reading nonstop. So if 100 is like you don't sleep, okay, you don't eat, you don't do anything. I'm just kidding. I don't, that might, that's you, 100 books. I, I, let's just clap for that, whoever that is out there, okay? Okay, <laughs> if it's not you, that's okay. We'll take back the clap. I'm just kidding. So, so John Chow, right, he, 100 books a year. He, he would um, physically exercise. He was eating the right foods. He went to um, school. He studied linguistics so he could easily learn language. He studied as much as he can about these people groups. He, um, he went to different missions, organization, training schools, and he was, uh, you know, his friends would say, man, John is so focused. John has this vision. He knows what he wants to do. For 10 years of his life, 
John was dedicated to seeing these people know the gospel. In November of this past year, John, John went to India. And again, this is an island that's right off the coast of India. And, and it's, it's illegal actually to travel there. There have been people who have tried to make contact with the village. But because the people um, on the island are, are still very uncivilized, they would um, try to kill the people who make contact. So the Indian government just says, no one is allowed to go to this island. And so John finds some fishermen who will take him to the island. And they have a copy of his journal, the New York Times, his family gave to the New York Times. And, and in his journal, he says, I, I, you know, he talks about the first time that he sees the people on the shore. And this thing that he's carried for 10 years of his life, he's seeing the, the opportunity to now reach them. And he yells out, my name is John. I love Jesus and Jesus loves you. And the people start throwing spears at John and the fishermen. And so he, he, he waves at them and then he rows back the next, you know, it goes because it's obviously not a hostile situation. And then a few days later, they go back to the island and he sees the fishermen again. And, and they begin to throw spears, but he begins, to be, he begins to worship. He gets to sing hymns and just songs of praise. And the people stop throwing the spears for a bit and they just listen. And he gets to step onto the island. And then, and then at that point, they become very hostile again. And so he runs, and he has to kind of run for his wife, life for a bit. And he begins to journal. He's journaling this whole time. He finally makes it back with the fishermen. And, and, and November 17th of this past year, 2018, John, got, John goes to the island, and the fishermen drop him off. And, and the next day, the fishermen come back, and they see, they see these men dragging John's body on the shore. And John had been murdered for the gospel. And there's, this, is, this is what's crazy, and this is what I want you to hear. There's been tons of reports. I've read through every article that I could find about John's life, even within the church. And there have been these things of, man, how ignorant of John. Like, how could he go do such a thing? Doesn't he know that we have modern technology? Or why would he try to go alone? All these things that probably even in your own mind, maybe you begin to ask some of those questions. But, but as I, I recently heard the story and someone was sharing it, they shared a quote that, that's been famous in church history for a while. And it's this quote. It says that the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. I'm going to say that again. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And that John had attempted so many, his friends said, no, he wanted everyone to come. This wasn't his rogue mission. He just wanted to know a people that could know the love of God. He wanted to give whatever he could to see it happen. And they said he wasn't ignorant. He studied. He did all that he could to prepare because this is what God has told him. And when I heard this story and I began to read about this island and read about this people, I realized that John's life was not in vain. But in fact, now the whole world is watching this island and now the whole church has an opportunity to do something because John was willing to give his life. And this is when I heard this, again, I heard a pastor sharing a story Something that he said that shook me, and I want you to really listen to this, because I'm not here tonight to talk about surrendering your life, to go to a foreign island. That's not what I'm talking about. Maybe some of you, that's what God's calling you to do, but I believe that tonight it's a different level of surrender. But this pastor who was sharing John's story, he said this, he said, John Chow died long before he ever reached that island. I want, I want you to think about that because I can't say that without something inside of me saying, man, God, what a life of surrender. 
that John Chow died long before he ever went to those people groups, long before he ever left his home, long before he ever left what was comfortable, that John Chow lived a life that said, it's no longer me who lives, but it's Jesus Christ who lives in me. And the life that I'm living in this body, I'm living by faith in him. And I think that, that John Chow, that, that it seems in every generation there's one or two or, or a group of people who, who surrender to the point of death that become an inspiration for a generation, right? Maybe you're familiar with Nick Sane or Jim Elliott, right? And before that, there, there have been thousands of people throughout the, the history of, of the church who have been willing to say, man, my life for the gospel, but the, the surrender I'm talking to you tonight is not that surrender. It's not to go and die. But it's a surrender to say, man, have you, are you still alive? The person that sits in that seat tonight, is there still a part of you that's living? Or can you say, man, I died already. And if God called me to go, if God called me to be an awesome mom, if God called me to run for government within our city, if God called me to stand up and to be a voice for my employees for things that I just know is wrong, are you to the point that it's no longer you who lives, but Jesus that lives in you, that you would do whatever he's asking of you? And I think, I think John got it, right? Obviously he got it. And again, I, you, can, you can take his picture down. But, but I share that with you again, not to, my hope tonight is not in any way to stir your emotions so that you have an emotional response. Or it's not so that, that you, man, again, go, I need to go live in a foreign land. My hope tonight is that you would really say, am I surrendered? Have I surrendered my marriage to God? Have I surrendered my family to God? Have I surrendered my comforts to God? And as I was praying and as I was even just first assessing my own heart, and then I, I remember the night that I felt like Sierra Kinnaman died and Jesus Christ took full residence in me. And that I said, God, no matter what you're saying, no matter what you're doing, I have laid down every no because I want to see your name carried to this world. I remember that moment. But I believe that for many of you guys, that moment is going to be tonight if you allow it to be. And I know to see every promise of God fully fulfilled in your life, it takes all of us truly coming to the end of ourselves and saying, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how to control my own life, so I have to give it to you. And as I read and as I heard of John's story, I was reminded of Joseph out of the Bible. And, and if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, I'm just going to summarize it tonight. But, but it's found in the book of Genesis. Everyone doing okay tonight? Let's see if I can open this water bottle while holding a microphone. You guys like Joseph out of the Bible? Two people again. Awesome. This will just be for a dramatic pause, Okay. Awesome. So, so Joseph in the Bible, right? He is this man who God comes to him in a dream, gives him a very specific promise. And then he has to walk out this incredibly long and challenging journey. And Joseph is given this promise that pretty much you're going to be awesome and you're going to change a lot of lives and you're going to have a lot of influence. And then he goes through a season of being in prison. Then he goes into a season of his character being questioned. And he goes through all these different seasons where he's really challenged. And something I felt the Lord showed me when I was just reviewing the story of Joseph is that, that Joseph's promise was more than just excitement. It wasn't just this, whoo, like God told me I'm going to do something awesome, so here I go, and I'm going to figure it out as I go. But it was truly a promise from God, and it was truly something that was planted deep in his heart 
So that whenever he was tested, whenever it didn't look how he thought, whenever his character was put on trial, whenever he had to spend time in prison, whenever he was really uncomfortable, that he was still able to carry this promise. And he was still able to say, man, I have surrendered. Joseph is no longer alive, but it is, it is God living and moving through me. So I'm going to carry this promise. And I'm going to be willing to see it all the way through. I think obviously the, the, the childbearing process, which praise God for all the moms out there. I love you. You are awesome. I like, I would say God send me to any village, any jungle, but like having a baby, I need like extra grace for, cause I'm like, that looks really painful. Okay. But praise God for all the moms. So, so don't, don't picture it. Don't imagine it. Just stay focused on Joseph. Okay. So, so our baby, the baby process, this is this period of nine months, right? That you have a, sp- a small child, human growing in your womb. Um, anybody pregnant in the house? Yeah, Gabe's pregnant. We got some pregnant people. We love babies, okay? Build the church, have babies. That's what God said. That's what he said, right? Like, go out, have babies. If you're married, okay? I'm also preaching some purity tonight. Just kidding. All right, I'm getting on here. Just kidding. Okay, so, so... A baby takes time of waiting, and you have to carry it through. And I can probably tell you, I've seen some pregnant women before, and sometimes they're a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm sure a small human pressing into your ribcage isn't always fun, right? And, and you, have to, you have to be able to see the end goal to know that this is worth it, and that my body changed, and all these things are worth it because God is worth it, and, and this child is worth it, and this is going to be a promise, and this is going to be a blessing. you got to speak those things over yourself. And I think that's what Joseph got, is that he was able to carry it through this, his, his dream, his promise through surrender, even through the trials, even through the pains, because he knew it was worth it. I think John Chow got it because he was able to say, God, even when it's hard, even when my college friends are out doing other things, even whenever I would rather be a normal teenager, even whenever I would rather maybe go some, study something that could make me a lot of money, that it's worth it because you have a goal for my life. And I'm not saying that it was God's goal for John to die, but I am saying that God is going to use his death to build the church. Amen. Amen. And so I think we all in this journey of carrying the promises of God have to go through times of surrender. And I know in my life, it seems like there are, there are levels that I surrender and then God says, okay, but what about this thing? And there's a deeper level of surrender. I feel like just recently I've had to surrender more things to God and it's been challenging. And it's like, God, man, maybe I want to be normal. Maybe I just Maybe, man, can I see the promise? Is it worth it? But God had to remind me of the end goal. And then I say, okay, God, you are worth it. Your promises and your character is worth it because, Jesus, you are the one thing that we're after, and you're the one thing that I'm going to seek for eternity. And so surrender. And as I was praying for you guys, and as I was praying for myself, and just our world and this generation and, and what God's doing on the earth today and for the church I asked him, I said, God, what stops us from living that life of surrender? What stops us from, I mean, I don't think any of you guys would hear my words tonight and think, nah, like, I just want to be normal. Like, I just want to live comfortably. Like, I, I, does anybody, I mean, if you think that that's cool, like, I'll, that's cool. Like, we can go have coffee sometime. I like to drink coffee. But, but I would, I would, I would suppose that most of you guys, in hearing what I'm saying, there's probably a little something stirring in you. Something a little, maybe, maybe I was created for just a little bit more. Maybe, maybe what this crazy girl is saying is a little bit true. Maybe that, maybe my life could make a mark like John Charles. Maybe I could see the promise like Joseph. 
supposed to have fulfilled in my life. I would guarantee most of you there's something stirring. But you leave this place, maybe you've heard something like this before, and you leave, and it doesn't happen. And I begin to ask God, why have we not fully surrendered? What stops us from surrendering? And my sister touched on it a bit after worship today. And I believe the two biggest things in this generation currently that is stopping us and is plaguing a generation is fear and shame. And there's a fear, there's, there's all kinds of fear that the enemy wants to use. There's a fear of lack. There's a fear of, if I follow God, if I give up something, I'm going to lack, so I just have to hoard. There's a fear of loneliness. If I follow God, what if that means I have to be single forever? That's a real fear, right? Like, if I follow God, what if I have to step out of my comfort zone? If I follow God, what if it means I don't know where our paycheck is going to come from and I actually have to allow him to provide for my family, right? What if I follow God and he does call me to go somewhere? What if I follow God and he tells me to have five kids, right? That could be very uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, uh, So fear stops us from following him. And, And I believe we're living in a generation that so easily gives into fear. So easily says, I would rather stay home because it's safe and it's comfortable and I don't have to do anything and I can sit on my couch and I know what's going to happen here and I can know what I can expect. So I'm going to allow fear to control me. And I've never talked to so many people than I have in the last few months who are dealing with anxiety. And fear is truly a gripping force that is causing anxiety and causing depression But I believe that as a people of God, he wants us free. And he wants us to not give in to fear because he has plans for you. And how many of you know that if you're being attacked, if you feel like those are things are coming against you, it's probably because you have a big promise on the other side, right? If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. If it were easy, we would see all of our promises. But sometimes we allow fear to get in the way. And the second thing, again, I felt the Holy Spirit say is shame. And there can be shame for so many reasons. It can be shame for for who you are or who you're not from your family. It can be shame from your past. It can be shame from a bad decision you made or a series of bad decisions you've made. But man, I am here today to tell you that the grace of God is real. And that his love truly covers a multitude of sin. And I love that Jesus doesn't look at my life and he doesn't begin to point out everything I've ever done wrong. But when Jesus, it says when Jesus, when God looks at me, he sees me through the blood of Jesus. He sees me as whole. He sees me in his original creation, his design for my life. When he looks at me, he sees that. And so I don't have to live in shame and I don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in shame and you don't have to live in fear. I I will tell you my, maybe not my favorite thing in life, but one of my favorite things in life is sleeping. You can ask my family. This is awesome. My nephew, you guys know Judah. He's super cute, right? And like was dancing tonight. Give it up for Judah. He bought me a pillow for Christmas, okay? Because he knows that I love to sleep, right? That was like a very good practical gift. So I got a pillow from Christmas because I love sleeping. But one of my favorite things about living life with me, right? I love living life with me, is that I get to sleep every night completely at peace. And I know that if, if I wake up thinking about something, like that means, okay, what's going on, God? Because 
I love to sleep and I sleep through the night and I have awesome dreams and I wake up like with drool on my pillow, right? So, so I love knowing that I get to live free and because of that I get to lay down in peace. It's like the Psalms are real or something that if you are at peace, you can lay down and sleep. Like that's a promise from God. But because we allow shame to creep in, because we begin to rehearse what happened throughout the day because we begin to say, maybe I did, maybe what if, what if, what if, what if, and we begin to allow all these thoughts of what if and pleasing people and did you guys like how my voice cracked a little bit? All these things we begin to allow in and fear and shame have gripped a generation. But I, but I look at the life of John Chow. I look at the life of men and women who are living for God, who are on fire. I look at the life of your pastors Right, I, I, I get to see their personal life, and it's a real deal. Like, they really do love Jesus, and they really all are serving them. Can you give it up for your pastors in this place? I get to look at people who are following God and said, man, it's possible that we can see the church today on the earth release from fear and shame. And we can see fear and shame go back to where they came from, right? We, we can see a people who know who they are, who are walking in their identity to the point that, man, I am really dead. And Jesus is alive in me. And his name is being carried to the earth. Amen? But how? How do we do that? I'm all about the, I don't want to just give you good words. Because I know for me, there was... There was never a sermon that changed my life, but there were, while people were preaching, the Holy Spirit would begin to minister to me, and there were moments that defined my life, and there were moments of surrender, and so my hope tonight is not my words would stick with you, but I want you to be attentive to what the Spirit is saying in this moment, because he has something for you. Every one of you, there's no one excluded. He has a promise for you. I was praying for you, and I began to see promises. I felt like specifically, I felt like specifically that there was a man in here who's been fighting for his marriage. That there's someone in here who, who his wife is not pursuing the Lord, and I feel like God wants you to know he's heard those prayers. And that he is going to touch her heart if you continue to stick through. If you continue to pray and to believe that he is, she's going to come to know Jesus through you. I believe that tonight. As I was praying for you, I saw other things, and we'll see what the Holy Spirit wants to do tonight. But, but this is what I know, is that, that the same way that fear and shame are real, that God showed me two things are real, more real. Two things are, are the most true, and that is that we can put our faith in his character. Right, that, that the reason that fear grips us is because we're still in control. The reason that I worry about my family being provided for, the reason I worry about when I'm going to get married or how many kids I'm going to have, the reason I worry about my job or my finances is because I'm still in control. But if my faith, my faith rests in the character of God, I have nothing to worry about. Because how many of you know his character is true? And that he says, I am your provider. I am your best friend. I am the one who goes before you. I fight your battles. And so if my faith can get over the fear, and I can look to Jesus and his character, that's how we overcome fear. I heard this recently, and it's something that I, that I try to remind myself of every day. But that, ah, and I pray this over us, I pray that we are a people who exhale fear and inhale faith. And I just want you to close your eyes for a second. Just think about that. What does that look like for you as you walk throughout your day? Those moments that fear tries to grip you, what would happen if you stopped for a moment and you said, God, I'm exhaling fear. 
all my worries, all my shames, everything I'm exhaling, and I'm taking in faith, and I'm looking at the character of Jesus. You can open your eyes, right? Like, that's, that's as simple as it is. It's just stopping and reflecting on Jesus. You've never let me down. God, there's not been one time that you have failed me. There's not one time that you haven't gone before me. And so the moment that fear tries to grip you, if you would exhale that fear and inhale faith in the character of God, then I believe that that your situation would change. I believe that you would see yourself surrendering more and more and looking more and more in the image of God. Amen? Amen. The second thing, the second way I believe that we overcome fear and shame that are trying to grip our culture today is that we have to work on our hearts and that it's all, 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 all that comes down to our heart and the purity of our heart. My favorite scripture is Matthew 5, 8. It says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I want to see God. I want to see him in you. I want to see him in my finances. I want to see him in my family. I want to see him in, when I look in the mirror, I want to see Jesus and say, man, that's Jesus. He's doing something in my life. But that works, that starts with my heart. And that starts with me living a life of truly saying, God, my, the only thing, if I'm dead, if I'm out of control and I've surrendered to Jesus, the only thing that he calls us to work on is our heart. The only thing he calls us to guard is our heart. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, guard your wallet, for out of it flows monopoly. I don't know, like, right? He doesn't say, guard your family. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, go lock your doors at night. I'm not opposed to that. Please, like, lock your doors. But he doesn't say any of those things. He says, guard your heart, right? That's all he says is to guard your heart. And the only thing he is calling us to work on is our heart. And I think of the life of David, and I recently had the opportunity to see um, this play that portrayed the life of David, and I was like weeping the whole time. I'm like, David is awesome, and Jesus, and I was like, they're like, probably that, that, like, who was that girl, right? Like, I was that girl in the play, okay? I was just weeping, but I saw the life of David, and in this play, sorry to spit a little bit. You guys know I'm like a spitter, okay? (laughs) Sorry, apologize. Good thing you're far away, okay? I saw this play, and And it showed David as an old man, and he was king, and he had every promise, but he looked back, and he was looking at his life as as the boy in the fields with the sheep, and him singing and writing songs with his best friend Jesus, right? It showed that, and he was this king, and he had all this food and all this robes, and he said, man, God, what happened to my heart? What happened to that boy that used to know you so intimately? What happened to that boy that you used to write songs with? What happened to that boy that that wasn't worried about anything, who wasn't trying to control his life, but truly was after your heart? And and it showed David's life, and and it showed big moments where he was faced with a decision. And it came back to, but man, I know my best friend is with me. And, And in the play, there was this character that, again, that walked life from the time David was a young boy all the time when he was king. And, and any big decision he'd make, he would stop and he would just chat with his friend. And at the end of the play, it showed obviously this friend was God. And how God was walking so closely in friendship with David that that is the reason that God says he's a man after my own heart. Because he walked in friendship with God. And, and I would say of all people in the Bible, we, we probably know the most about David. And, and I would say of all people in the Bible, David has a lot of opportunities to walk in fear and shame, right? 
Like there were times that David had made really huge mistakes. Like he made some really bad, terrible decisions that, that we would look at and think like, man, that probably would disqualify someone today, right? Like that was kind of a big deal. Or, or there were things that he, times he was running for his life or times that he had a promise, but he was in years of waiting and hiding that he could have allowed fear to creep in. But David, in those moments, instead chose to work on his heart and say, I have no control uh, of the things that are ahead. I don't know how the promises of God are going to happen. And yeah, I made a bad decision, but because I know God's character and I know that, that in the midst of that, I can, I can allow shame to control me or I can move forward in saying, I have been crucified with Christ and I'm going to move forward. That, that, that is how David guarded his heart. And that is how David saw God's promises come true. And that is why God looked at David and said, man, you're a man after my own heart. And the same David that allowed the lineage of Jesus, our Savior, who is king, to come through his family because he was a man after his heart. And so again, as I was praying for you guys, those two things of how do we overcome, how do we see the promises of God fulfilled, how do we live lives of surrender whenever fear and shame are trying to grip us. And I believe if you reflect in your own life, there, there have been areas, probably even today, Maybe even while you've been here, that fear and shame have tried to grip you. But if we would be a people that say, my faith rests in the character of God, and my job is to work on my heart, I believe we would see his promises true. I want to read something to you. I want to read a couple of things. I haven't read anything yet, okay? So Philippians 3, won't you, if you have that, you can turn there. Philippians 3, 9. This is Paul's prayer. Paul, the same Paul that says, it's no longer me who lives, but Jesus in me. He says this. My passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Like saying my righteousness, everything about me rests in the character of God in Jesus Christ. The very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings, and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in the resurrection from the realms of the dead. I admit, okay, so Paul has this yearning, he has this longing, and he says, man, God, I realize that if it's really no longer me who's living, that I have to rest my righteousness, my good and my bad works, all rest on the character of Jesus Christ, and I want to be so close to you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus, that, that I experience your life and your death and your resurrection, that I want to I wanna sit with you in your sufferings, and I want to love you, God, there. That I want to sit with you and, and reflect upon the cross and realize that, that I was there with Jesus. And so that I can be one with him in his resurrection. He says this, I admit that I have not yet acquired the absolute fullness that I am pursuing. So he says, I'm on a journey. I'm not there yet. But I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I believe tonight God wants you to know that he has a passion for you to fulfill and he wants for you to discover. Amen? I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling force. 
I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I let all shame go. I lay it all at the feet of Jesus and I look to the future of saying, God, what are you saying from this point forward? I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is yet gripped by these desires, maybe you're not there yet tonight. Maybe this sounds good, but man, Sierra, you're asking a lot from me. It's okay, because he says this. If anyone's not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to you. He'll reveal it to them. And let all of us advance together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. And that passion is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That, that whether you're there or not, that Paul, who I would say, he's like one of my biggest heroes in the Bible, that he had, he had kind of given a lot and said, God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. I'm no longer alive, but it's you. He said, I'm still on this path of discovery, but I know along the way that I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm forgetting what fear and shame have tried to grip me in, and I'm moving forward. I want to read one last scripture in closing tonight. And this is from David. Again, David, the man after God's own heart. If you have your Bible, it's going to be in Psalm 5, verses 1 through 3. He says this. At each and every sunrise, I will hear, at each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Picture what would happen if we lived in a place of surrender that every morning we woke up and said, man, God, I'm laying out my day before you. I'm laying out my passions. I'm laying out my desires. I'm laying those promises that I'm holding loosely. I lay them all at the altar and I say, you touch them with your fire today. You touch my heart today. You be the one to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. You be the one to go before me and allow me to be free from shame and fear. In those moments of fear and anxiety and depression try to grip me, I'm going to look to Jesus. Jesus. As I be, look like you, Father, as I look to you, I become more like you. And again, I, I know God has a promise for each and every person in this room tonight. I know that as we set goals and as we plan for this next year ahead, that he has things he wants to tell you. He has things, promises he wants to whisper. Maybe for some of you, that's, that's freedom in your family. Maybe there have been things that you guys have been struggling with. Maybe it's, again, your finances. Maybe it's health goals. Maybe it's whatever it is that he has promises specifically for you. And, that, and I believe if you are fully honest with yourself, you want to step into those things. You want to believe them. You want to see them come to pass. But it takes us saying, God, fear and shame are dead in my life because I'm not in control. But I look to Jesus and I rest in his faithfulness and I rest in his character. I just want you to close your eyes in this place tonight. And I'm going to invite, if Kylie's somewhere, Kylie, you can come out and just play something for us. And again, my heart is not for you in any way to be, to allow emotions to move. And I don't, I, emotions are good and God uses them, but I want you to look at Jesus in this moment and I want you to be honest with yourself. And I, I want you to ask him, Father, am I truly, is it truly, could I say, Sierra Kinnaman died a long time ago. Could you say that about your life? You know, whoever, you fill in the name, I died a long time ago. Could you, could you live a life that you would say that's true? 
Or would you be honest with yourself tonight and say, there are still areas that I can think of where I'm allowing shame and I'm allowing fear to grip me. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay that we're not fully there yet. We are on a journey and God's heart is so for you. And he's so radically in love with you. And he gave his very son because he wants you to know him. And he wants you to become like him. And since the beginning of time, he made us in his image. And he's longing for us to return back to that image of knowing the fullness of God. But he also knows that it does require something from us. And that's surrender. And so as you're reflecting tonight on your own heart, every person, I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to think about someone who's not here. I don't want you to think about your spouse. I want you to think about you in this moment and your heart. And where is it with God? Because at the end of our lives, so when we stand before Jesus in eternity, he's going to look at you. And this is what I know. If you would work on your heart, that he will touch every single area around you. If you would work on your heart, he would touch your spouse's heart. If you work on your heart, he will begin to touch your children's heart and your mother's heart and your dad's heart. And this is what I I want us to do. I just want us to just begin to just be honest with God. And if you need to talk out loud to him, if you need to talk within yourself, whatever that looks like. But I just, I just want you to hold out your hands and say, God, search me and know me. Try me and see if there be any grievous things in me, Lord. Father, if there's areas where we have let shame and fear grip us, I thank you tonight there is freedom in this house, God. And now we would leave here Father, willing to live a life to do whatever you have called us to do, Jesus, because you are our one thing, God. You are the thing that we would lay our lives down for, Father. I feel like specifically tonight that that the shame of past addictions and maybe even current addictions even as I've been talking, has been coming up and up and over and over and over in your mind tonight. And if you're struggling with an addiction in here tonight, whatever that kind of addiction is, even actually when I was praying this week and pastors spoke about some of those things this week, I felt like God said, since Sunday, you've been rehearsing past addictions in your mind. You've been, you've been saying, God, you could never use me because of this, because I did this, because I did this. I believe there's going to be freedom in this place tonight. And there's no shame in the name of Jesus. He looks at, you know what, he, he already knew about those things before you stepped in here tonight and he's still speaking to you. So if you're struggling with something, if it's specifically an addiction in this place, and I just want you to put your hand on your heart and no one is looking around but Jesus. Father, I just speak right now to every heart in this room, Lord, who's struggling. Lord, I thank you there is freedom from shame. In the name of Jesus, shame has to go. Father, I thank you we lay down our lives, Lord, and we say, Jesus, you are in control, and we can't do this by ourselves, God. We can't. We will fall apart from you. But I thank you, Jesus, with you, we can do all things. And we're going to exhale fear, and we're going to inhale faith in this moment. And I thank you for every person with their hand on their heart. They are free in the name of Jesus, and we declare that done, Lord. 
Again, as I was praying, as I was praying this, this fear and anxiety, I feel like there are some of you in this room that, that you, you even have had a hard time breathing. You've stepped out and you've tried to, you've tried to walk through fear. You've done everything you know how to do to get out of your own mind and you can't. You've done everything you know how to do to stop the thoughts, to stop the fear, to stop anxiety, to stop depression, and you can't, and you fail every time. And you find yourself back at that place on, on your bedroom floor, laying down saying, I, I'm insane. This is what I want you to know, that tonight God is going to touch your mind. And that he has plans. The reason that those things are happening is because you're powerful. And he has something inside of you. He has a mind that he wants to use to discover things. He has a mind that he wants to use to create. So if that's you, again, everyone's eyes are closed. I just want you to put your hand on your mind in this moment. On your head. Jesus, we thank you that we have the mind of Christ. That is a promise and that's true. And I thank you for my brothers and my sisters, God, that you so love them, Lord. That you want them free from themselves, God, so that you can take over, Lord. I speak right now, Father, there is no more fear in Jesus' name. There is no fear for the future, Lord, because the future is yours. Lord, there is no more anxiety, Father. Jesus, I thank you, you're giving us our breath back, God. You, Lord, and the creation, Father, breathe your breath into man. And I thank you right now in this moment, you're breathing your breath back into my brothers and my sisters' lives, God. I thank you the moment that that any kind of depression or fear tries to grip them, Lord, that they would begin to see themselves exhaling fear and inhaling faith, Father. Man, lastly, you can, you can, if you need to continue to put your hand on your head, that's fine. If, you're, you, if not, you feel good. Jesus has got it. You're good. But lastly, man, again, I, I, I just want to say this again, but, but John Chow died long before he ever got to that island. And that God is calling you to big things. He has big plans for his church. He has big things for this city. He has big things for your kids. He has big, big things for his church. But it takes us getting over ourselves. And it takes us saying, man, I'm dead to me. I'm dead to control. And I am surrendering. And if that's you in this moment, I just want you to stand to your feet. Father, would you take us to deeper levels of surrender, God, where we say you can have it all, Jesus. Just begin to declare to God, you can have my all. God, I'm giving it to you, Father. I am no longer in control. Man, if you pray in the Spirit, just begin to pray in the Spirit in this moment. Father, you are in control, God. Jesus, you can have it all. I thank you that in this room there are people that you are raising out, Father, to go into the medical field, God who are going to make discoveries, Father, who are going to have impact in people's lives more than they know Jesus. I thank you, Father, that there, that there, there are men in this room, God, who are called to fight for purity, God, who are called to fight for the hearts of this generation, God. And I thank you that in them surrendering, Father, they're giving you control. I thank you, Father, for those in this room who feel like they're called to go, Lord. Those who feel like you've called them out to to leave what's comfortable, God, and to go see your gospel advance in every nation, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, there's a grace on their life. And I thank you those promises are not forgotten. Those promises are not dead, God. 
I thank you for the businessmen and women in this place, Lord, that you would begin to to create new ideas in them, Father. And as we surrender, we we see Jesus all over this city. We see Jesus when we walk in the store. We see Jesus when we look at each other, Father, because our hearts are pure, God, and we want to see you. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus.